Welcome to Chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. All right, sound a little bit awake. That's a good sign. <laughs> well, I've been enjoying my time here at RBC so far. I've extremely, well, I had an extremely great time just getting to know you guys so far. You guys have been incredible, and I, I love it. But uh, and I, I will say, I do think you guys all made a good decision coming here. There's so many things you can learn here. So many ways to grow. Um, this is not just about preparing you for a future career, but about preparing you for life with Christ, with all the things you're going to be learning. And yet, I must say that in spite of all the things you learn, it's not going to guarantee that you grow in Christ. It's not going to guarantee that you uh, mature in him or that you go on to even serve him well or anything else. Uh, just to give you an example, I, I used to teach uh, overseas at a, a missionary training college, and, uh, you know, in some ways it's similar to RBC. It was actually smaller than RBC. And, but yet, one big difference is that every single student there was actually preparing for a life of vocational ministry, whether going on as a, a pastor or a church planter, going as a, a missionary to a different part of the country or different region. Um, some were preparing to, as teachers and uh, um, kind of uh, uh, Christian schools were trying to reach others with the, the gospel. Um, but they're all preparing for ministry. And yet, in spite of all the great things they learned, the great education, all the teaching, all the, the learning, you know, I, I've got so many great stories. Some of them went on and, and they're doing incredible things. I'm so pleased with what I'm seeing. And yet, there's still, it's not a guarantee. I, I can think of one student who has continued to waver in his faith ever since. At times, wanting to just walk away from it entirely. At other times, thinking, well, no, he's got to get back on the right track. And But yet, just ministry has never really been a focus because it's just his faith in general is just kind of really wavering. Uh, I can think of, uh, there's another student there who graduated and went on, started doing ministry, and then just totally turned away, went the opposite direction, joined a, a political party that was big on Hindu nationalism, trying to make India a Hindu nation and actually often persecuting or trying to even expel Christians and Muslims or anything that's not Hindu. Um, just a total U-turn. All that you learn is not going to guarantee maturity in Jesus Christ or a life of uh, service in God's kingdom. Yet, our passage for today is actually primarily a prayer uh, where Paul is praying that the, the Christians in Ephesus and the surrounding area in Asia Minor, that, that they would learn and come to know some different things. And if you look at what he's teaching them, to, or what he's actually praying that they will come to know, and especially how they are to come to know it, I'm convinced if we learn those things and learn in the way that Paul is praying, I'm convinced we will for sure grow. We will for sure be prepared as kingdom workers to go out and serve the Lord faithfully. And so we're going to take some time to study this passage, um, see what all it says, but especially focus in on what he's praying and what that means for how we approach our education here at RBC. So if you've got a Bible, please turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I left a clicker over there by you, Jessica. Do you mind clicking? Or, <laughs> or maybe Matt will get it in the back. <laughs> I do have the passage up on the screen, too. Yeah. 
So we will look at a little bit of the context too. So if you have your own Bible, take that out. But I think most of you didn't know to bring your Bible. So in future, definitely bring your Bibles to chapel if you can. And, uh, but yeah, for today, we've got it up here on the screen. He starts off this passage saying, for this reason, well, I think we need to back up and figure out for what reason is he talking about. Uh, if you remember last week, um, Phil was talking about Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, and it's this uh, great passage about um, essentially all these incredible spiritual blessings that we have to look forward to as Christians. One thing after another after another, all these uh, blessings God has given us that are not just, I mean, there aren't things of this world. It's these eternal, incredible blessings to look forward to. And uh, verses 13 and 14, he goes on to say, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, uh, to the praise of his glory. And then he says, verse 15, for this reason, so I think the reason he's talking about is you guys are now in Christ. You have uh, gained salvation. You are now in him. And for that reason, verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So in other words, ever since he's heard about them coming to faith in Jesus Christ, he's constantly praising God. He's giving thanks. Um, he's praying for them actively. And now he's going to tell us what he's praying. I'll read through all of this, and we'll come back and talk about this a little. Bit, little. Verse 17 mentions what he's praying. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul is really good at run-on sentences, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. <laughs> in fact, uh, the passage Phil had last week is, uh, I think, the longest run-on sentence we have in the Bible, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great that uh, he's basically sharing what he's praying. Let's talk about this again. Starting in verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So first of all, he's saying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in the NIV, you'll see that it has it capitalized, and most translations do capitalize it. It's not 100% clear, but most translators and scholars think this is probably a reference to the Holy Spirit. That would seem to make sense. That's what I would believe is most likely, so that's why they capitalize spirit 
uh, generally thinking that's probably a reference to the Holy Spirit himself who gives us wisdom, who helps reveal truth or even remind us of what Christ has taught. Um, he leads and guides us. And so he's given us his spirit, um, wisdom, and revelation for what purpose? Well, so that you may know him better. So that's the first thing he's praying for, is that we will know him better, know God better. It doesn't specify necessarily who the him is, whether it's God the Father or Jesus Christ, but we know we need to know both of them, right? <laughs> Knowing one, we, we know the other as well. Um, so there's one goal. Keep that in mind. We're to know God better, and even by the power of the Spirit, to know him better. Verse 18 he now prays for three more things. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. For what reasons? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There's one. And then two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And three, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then he goes on to describe what that power is all about. So first of all, that your heart, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I think it's interesting that he talks about it that way. Because here he's talking about three things that we're to know. And when we think of knowledge, we tend to think of like head knowledge, right? Things that you are supposed to learn and know in your head. And yet, he's trying to make it extra clear. That's not the type of knowledge he's talking about. It includes that. It should be head knowledge, but it should be more than that. The eyes of your heart should be enlightened to know. And when we think of heart, we tend to think of emotions, but that word in the Greek is not just about emotions. It's really about your inner being, just who you are. It's like with your whole self, understand and grasp. This is more than, uh, again, just a head knowledge. This is about like a, a deep knowledge or a deep understanding, we might say, that it's, it incorporates not just what we know, but even who we are. Um, very, yeah, a knowledge that goes deep inside of it. So with that kind of knowledge, with a deep understanding, we're to know the hope to which he has called us. And what is that hope? Well, hopefully you remember whatever Phil talked about last week, because he talked all about all these incredible blessings we have to look forward to. Uh, these things that, um, well, yeah, you can Read it later. We won't take time to go back through it, but verses 3 to 14 are all about these incredible things, these blessings that we don't deserve, but God has stored up for his people. And so we are to know, to really understand this hope that we have in him. It goes on and says, uh, he also, with the, the, with the eyes of our heart being enlightened, that we may also know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, uh, I looked at uh, a number of different commentaries, um, both ones I had, and I also went to the library and looked at a whole bunch more, and I was actually kind of, uh, it surprised me to see that roughly half the commentaries I looked at had one interpretation of the verse, and uh, roughly the other half had a totally opposite <laughs> uh, interpretation as to who this is referring to and whose inheritance this is talking about. Is it God's inheritance, that we are God's inheritance, and we're to come to know and understand uh, that we as his people are his treasured inheritance? Or is it that it's talking about our inheritance that we have in God, that God has given to his people? Um, 
Scholars have good reasons for arguing both sides of it. Um, I don't know for sure. I tend to think that it's more likely this is talking about uh, God's inheritance, but I, I could be wrong. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but even if I am wrong, uh, I think we're still covered because if you interpret it the other way as this is talking about our inheritance that God has given us, um, well, that goes along with that previous statement about knowing our hope, right? Because our hope includes this incredible inheritance we have to look forward to. But I think it's maybe most likely talking about God's inheritance, that we understand, look, we as the church are God's people. We are his inheritance. We together as his church, as his holy people, matter to him, and we are part of his plan. In fact, this is a major theme in the book of Ephesians, is about the church, about us as a community, and that he's even reconciled Jews and Gentiles, people from all different backgrounds, to be unified as one in Jesus Christ. This is a major theme even brought up. If you look back in verses 9 and 10, it talks about how he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to, and this is here what this great mystery he purposed is, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's kind of the big idea. God has this great plan to bring everything all together under Christ as Lord, as the head. We even see in this passage, he goes on in verses uh, 22 and 23 to even talk about how that includes the church. But we'll get there in just a second, that even the church is unified together under Jesus Christ as its head. So that's why I tend to think this is probably a reference to even understanding this, the riches of God's inheritance in his holy people, in his, uh, in his church, that uh, we are his treasure, we are his, um, his inheritance, in a sense, that uh, this is his plan to bring us together. And see, when we understand that and truly gra grasp that, we take seriously the whole thing of the kingdom, that we are not just individual Christians that can just do our own thing and without regard to any other person in the God's community, but rather we are this community that God has intended, that he has purposed to be his bride, to be united together as one in Christ. He then goes on and mentions a third thing here, that we're to know with the eyes of our heart, uh, to truly grasp in a deep way. He says, also his incomparably great power for us who believe. Yeah, we get power, right? <laughs> well, what kind of power? What is this type of power he's talking about? He actually explains more about what this power includes. He says, that power, this is halfway through verse 19, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So in other words, this power that raised Jesus from the dead and then glorified him above all else, it's that kind of power that we have access to, that he's giving us, and that he wants us to know, not just cognitively in our minds, know about the power, but rather to truly know, experience this power, this transformation power, this resurrection power, this power that raised him from the dead in the same way he wants to raise us to new life in Jesus Christ. And, to, and then this also, this power glorified Jesus also. He, and this power is 
He's wanting to do that in us. He wants us to die with Christ, to be raised to new life in Christ, and so that we can one day be glorified with Christ as well. It's this transformation power to bring us from the the sinful people we are and, and destroy this old self and instead give us this new life in Jesus Christ so that the old is gone and the new has come. And so then we can be glorified with him. It's just this incredible transformation power that he wants us to, again, not just know about, but to know in a deep way, in an experiential way, to, to experience that transformation. Now, just to kind of complete this passage before we kind of come back and focus in on what this prayer really means for us, um, he goes on and says, verses 22 and 23, and God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I'm not going to spend much time talking about that now, but I want you to remember this point because I'm pretty certain that other people talking on Wednesdays are going to be talking more about this theme as we go through the book of Ephesians. Because again, in last week, um, Phil's passage mentioned that in verses 9 and 10, how God's, this, the, God's plan, his purpose, this great mystery that was revealed was that God was trying to unite everything, or he's got this great plan to unite everything under Jesus Christ. And then now we see that this includes especially the church. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Jesus is what it's all about. (laughs) Everything is to be united under him. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And especially for us as a church, we are to be united as his body, each part doing its role to build up um, his body and that he is the head. The, The body does what the head says. He's the Lord. And then we are to be united in him, people of all different backgrounds, Jews and Gentiles, all over the world. So anyway, we're not going to talk much about that here, but this is, I think, Paul uh, very intentionally repeating this idea because he's going to build on this idea as we go through the book. But again, what I want us to focus on is this prayer. As I mentioned earlier, if we learn the types of things Paul is telling us to learn about, and we learn about it, especially in the way that he's telling us to learn about it, I think in that case, we are guaranteed to learn, to grow and mature in our faith, mature in our relationship with Christ, be prepared as kingdom workers to go out and serve him. So the three thing, uh, there's, there's basically four things. If we're to summarize it, as we mentioned, let me just uh, go to this next slide. I, I tried to summarize it for you. Button's not working. You might just have to hit it. Oh, there we go. All right. Basically tried to summarize these four points that he's praying for the church about that I think is a good um, example for us to even be praying about for each other. First of all, he's praying that we would uh, grow in knowing him better. But it's not just knowing him better in a a cognitive sense. It's even by his spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, his Holy Spirit enabling us to know him better. Think of it this way. If, if, uh, you know, I'm married to Jessica, and what if I were were to decide that I am never going to spend any more 
uh, time with her, but rather I will still just get to know her, but uh, in a purely mental way. I will uh, Google stalk her. I will Facebook stalk her so I know what she's up to. I'm going to even talk to her friends and find out information about her. And uh, I will know so much about her. Do we have a relationship if I do that? That's not a relationship? <laughs> but I would know so much. I would have so much information. <laughs> exactly. So um, what he's wanting is for us to even commune with him. It's by his spirit. It's not just learning about God. It's about even by his spirit knowing him as in a relationship. And see, one of the dangers about being here at a Bible college is that it's very easy to let your relationship with God become merely head knowledge. You are learning so much. You are expected to learn so much. You are being graded on what you learn in your head. And if you merely focus on learning stuff in your head to satisfy your teachers and get a good grade, it's easy to let it stop there and not let it penetrate into your heart, to not actually commune with God and to not actually know and develop a relationship with God. There's a danger there. And I know what it's like. I went through more years of education than I wanted to. <laughs> and that was often a struggle to, to balance that. And, and you know, you've got these expectations placed on you for the sake of your grade, and it's easy to just focus on that rather than truly developing a relationship with God. Again, mere head knowledge itself will not deepen your um, relationship with God. It's if you let that um, knowledge penetrate deep, then it can change your life. He then goes on and talks about we, that we should pray, or he's, he's praying for the church about understanding in a deep way this hope to which he's called them, that God's called them. And so this too, this is one of those things that can transform even just how we approach life. If we not just know this in our heads, but we live this out, what's going to shake us? If our hope is in what's to come rather than things of this world, then when things don't go our way, well, oh well, just keep on because nothing's going to take away all this great stuff I have to look forward to. Nothing can take away this long list of spiritual blessings that uh, Phil talked about last week in Ephesians 1, 1 to 14. If our hope is in those things, what can rattle us? And yet, I know things do rattle me. <laughs> in fact, this is one way that I felt like, um, like when I was overseas, a lot of the believers there, I was just really impressed that, uh, and it's maybe just because life is so unpredictable that they're used to it, but it's just like things didn't rattle them as much. Things go chaotic all the time. Life is so uncertain. And yet they just flex with it and go with it. And for me, and I think a lot of us in first world, we've come to expect everything to go as we plan. We expect our plans to work the way we expect them to. And yet it, it can be, um, it's like we're almost putting our trust in the way that our society works in, the, in our plans and our preparation rather than keeping our hope in what's eternal. So, it's not just knowing about heaven, but truly understanding it. Because when we truly grasp it, 
nothing can really deeply shake us or truly leave us hopeless. We may grieve, we may struggle, we may go through times of incredible sorrow and sadness, but yet, if we understand that hope, we will never totally give up. We will keep pressing forward knowing we've got something so great to look forward to in Jesus Christ. Also, understanding the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people. As I mentioned before, I think if we truly understand that, we see the purpose for the church. Where I was pastoring at prior to coming here, uh, so many people in that county that we lived in claimed, in fact, most everyone we met, the uh, vast majority of people we met in that county, claimed to be a Christian. And yet, of those who said they were Christian, I would guess the minority of them actually attended a church regularly or were regularly plugged into any kind of a Christian community. It was so common in that area for people to say they're Christian, but just be a solo Christian all by themselves. They didn't like the area churches, the churches didn't really meet their needs, and so they just practiced their faith individually, and that was good for them. And yet, do we really understand the church is God's plan? <laughs> the church is not just here for our sake, but the church is God's mission. It's his plan. He's, he's designed the church to be this group of people from all over, united as one, not all these separate little parts doing their own thing, but to be united as one under Christ. We are his treasure. We are his plan and his purpose. And when we understand that, we will start to live for his kingdom. We will be kingdom workers. We will seek to, to serve in his kingdom, <laughs> not by ourselves, but rather building up... Um, these spiritual or these eternal treasures in heaven rather than simply living for things of this world. And finally, this uh, resurrection power that, uh, that he has for us. This is another thing we should be praying for and to not just know in our heads, but experience. Um, again, this is kind of what it all comes down to. We are sinners. We need, uh, we need new lives in Christ. And he sent God sent his son into this world to make the way, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to even give us that power to be transformed. Even now, it begins. It'll be completed later. But we have that power in him. And, and we're to be praying for that, that we are experiencing this resurrection power of gaining a new life in Christ, becoming a new creation in him. So, to kind of wrap this up, in, in just a second, I'm going to have you guys break into different groups, and I want us to pray along these lines, to pray for one another, that we would learn these things and learn in these ways. But I just want to make a couple final comments about how should we learn. I think one key to take from this is that he's not praying about just pure head knowledge. <laughs> Learning a lot of stuff is really good. <laughs> And that's, again, why I think your education here is going to be so valuable. You can learn so many things. But if you only learn things in your head and you never let it penetrate into your life, it's going to be useless to you. There's a, people who spend their whole lives studying the Bible and the scholars who know so much more about the Bible than probably most of us here, or maybe all of us here, I don't know. And yet they still reject Christ and refuse to believe it and follow it. You can know a lot in your head, but if it doesn't penetrate into your heart, it's useless. 
So we are to know with the eyes of our heart. Let our, the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Let our lives grasp this in a deep way. Let it penetrate. And it, it's so easy, again, like to just let our faith become academic. Merely learning about God, seeking God for the sake of a grade, seeking God for the sake of meeting expectations here, rather than truly seeking God to seek God. <laughs> rather than seeking learning about him for the sake of actually growing in him. You see, if we really understand these truths and let it penetrate deep, it will transform the way we live. If those things become a description of our lives, we'll be willing to sacrifice our lives, sacrifice our health for the sake of, of God's kingdom because we will know the hope that we have to look forward to. We know we've got heavenly bodies to look forward to. And so whatever it takes in this world to serve God, we will do it if we really understand that. If we understand God's plan and this, this kingdom he's building, we will uh, take seriously our role in the body of Christ and seek to be united and seek community and seek to, to grow and develop and build the body of Christ together. One, uh, with one another. If we really understand these things, we will deny ourselves, we will take up our cross, we will follow him, we will seek to have this new life in Jesus Christ, not just seeking to be who you are, as our society tells you, just be who you are, um, be yourself, yet God's given us something so much better than that. <laughs> He's allowed us not to be this sinful self that we were, but he's given us his spirit to transform us, this power to, to make us a new person in his image as he created us to be. He created us to be in his own image, and that's the blessing. Imagine what heaven's going to be like when you've got a massive community of people in God's image. I mean, when you have a great fun time with your friends, I think that's just a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. But just imagine when you've got this great multitude of people who all love each other, all get along great, or all having a wonderful time together in relationship with each other and in relationship with God. That's paradise. That's a lot to look forward to. And we can even start to experience that here. But all that to say, um, let's seek our learning here at RBC, not just about, uh, not, not seek to learn just in head knowledge, but let's seek to learn in a deep way. Let's let the, all the truths that we're learning here penetrate into us so that we truly know God. We understand the hope, this eternal hope, and have our eyes fixed on the eternal prize. And that we understand even God's kingdom and how much of a treasure this is to him and his plan. And that we understand his great power for us to transform us and make us into who he's designed us to be. Rather than closing this in prayer myself, I invite you guys to close this chapel yourselves. Break into groups of maybe, let's say, uh, four to eight people Eh, say four to seven people in a group. <laughs> if you've got eight, you can break into two groups of four. Um, so go ahead and stand up, break into groups, pray for each other, pray along these lines, pray as you feel led, and then when you are done, uh, you can quietly exit the chapel as others are still wrapping up their prayer, but let's pray for each other as Paul has taught us. 
Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu slash podcasts.